Hello, friend, and welcome to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, higher realms, the mysteries of the universe, and source consciousness. I use hypnosis to get into a deep theta state where I am able to connect to and embody my higher self. What unfolds is a monologue that is dictated by the state of the divine flow as well as any questions I might receive from the human collective consciousness. Enjoy! Hello, hello, my dears, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with My Higher Self. I missed you. I feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Do you guys feel the same? <laughs> um, I don't know. Anyhow, um, there's a lot that's going on. Uh, wouldn't you agree? There's a lot that's going on in the world. I feel like everybody's really busy. Um, I feel like there's a lot to talk about. And so today, actually, I wanted to do like a Q&A session. Uh, we're going to do it two ways because, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that's going on. I really wanted to give you guys a chance to ask me questions uh, to the collective. I also have been receiving a lot of questions and requests from some of you, uh, on, you know, via the DMs on Instagram. And I wanted to take some time to clear clear things up for you. You know, a, a lot of good questions are coming through Instagram. So for anyone that has reached out, told me, um, and you know, about anything essentially you're grappling with around the messages, my messages, the content that I create or anything, you know, literally else you want to talk about. So you know who you are. So thank you. Um, if you are not, if you didn't know that I was on Instagram, maybe you should. Um, this is Maria official is the tag. Maria is spelled M-A-R-I-Y-A. So if you had a question, feel free. Um, I'm reading your DMs. That being said, why don't we first address some of the stuff that came through um, that I felt was worth addressing. Um, now, a lot of you guys have been listening, the ones, uh, the, 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 there are a lot of you, enough of you that have been listening to my content for a while now. I know a lot of you are going back to the old episodes. Some of the information that I am saying or that I am sharing may seem contradictory. I promise you it is not. Um, this is a yes universe. Um, what I mean by that is the universe tends to find a way for various contradictions to kind of live in the same arena, if that makes sense. And it's all just a matter of perception. So sometimes I would be saying things from one perspective or from a particular angle, and the next episode will take a different angle. And one of the questions that came through, and that's what I wanted to comment on was about the moon. I made an episode about how moon is used about mind control. The previous episode is all about how the moon is used to control um, the race of humans, the homo sapiens. I've also made episodes previously about the moon saying that women should be aligned to the moon. Whereas the previous episode that I did felt like we all should just run away and hide from the moon. And uh, one of my listeners, and she's wonderful and she knows who she is, asked me a question, which was a very, very fair question to ask. So which one is it, Maria? You know, shall we all sing Kumbaya, 
do the new moon full moon rituals or is it quite the opposite you know should we kind of like run away and hide and I can see how this can be confusing and I can see how you can listen to some you know some older episodes and feel like I'm very pro moon and then in this last episode I kind of came out and was like this is just like a rusty satellite that's controlling everybody like why don't we burn it um in, in in the flames of hell one thing I will tell you right nothing in the world is black and white there is a reason for everything in other words there is a reason that the moon exists here if you personally are currently incarnated on this planet there is something about you that is resonating with the energies of planet earth and the journey that the planet earth is on however even within the listeners of this podcast we have multiple kinds of people we have the people at the different levels of development and also as the further down this rabbit hole we go together i'm actually activating the codes within you guys that really help with awakening so essentially we are on the awakening journey together you may not recognize it or realize that that is the case but it is the case so if i was talking to a person that is very far from the state of awakening right somebody who is just getting started which was kind of like us talking in the earlier episodes the only correct answer for them is to get aligned to the moon because that actually resembles and you know for them that is the next step on their journey right so depending on your level of development this is your next step this is the only correct answer for you right when you're just getting started especially in a masculine world let me like say that i've said it like i feel like i sound like a broken record this is a masculine planet any semblance of working with feminine energies on this planet is a huge win. I don't care if those energies are a rusty satellite that is not even nature made. And I don't care if she's a controlling mother. She is a mother archetype, right? And that makes it powerful. Because if we look around, there are not so many feminine archetypes that we could be working to begin with, right? So if you are a feminine type soul incarnated in a masculine type world, and we all are, by the way, on a journey to anchoring our femininity, right? And you would know that if you listened, I think it was episode 92 um, about the five pointed star framework. In, in that episode, I mentioned that we have to, as a society, we have to look outside of the pillar of masculinity because that is all we have at this point in time on planet earth, right? Whether we're looking at bringing in the divine feminine, whether we're looking at bringing in the truth or the heart, the spirit is a little too early, you know, we cannot go wrong, right? In other words, if I am talking to you guys, right? And I know enough of your struggling and grappling with anchoring the femininity within, right? because of the patriarchy, because of the sisterhood wound, because of the persecution of the witches and what not and what else, right, is not in the way. Because I know that you are incarnated in a very masculine system, in a very type A system that promotes action and achievement and goal orientation and really frowns upon taking the time for yourself, going within, having off days, you know, kind of like honoring your cycles, etc. Obviously, step one on this journey, right, is reclaiming any semblance of femininity we can. And as such, the moon 
is a really, really good help. It's a really, really good assistance for you, right? It's a really, really good tool. It's a really good energy to start anchoring and work with, right? So let's make that clear, right? So if we're starting from zero, learning from a controlling mother type archetype is already good news, right? However, right? Which is what we're getting to my uh, previous episode. However, I will tell you this. The further down the rabbit hole of awakening you go, the more you send light into your higher chakras, the more in touch with your higher self you will become. The natural byproduct of that is deeper understanding. And the deeper understanding is, A, there is more to divine femininity that the moon can teach you. And by the way, it is quite imperfect as, a, you know, as an archetype. If we wanted to measure the divine feminine archetype according to the level that the moon can teach us, we wouldn't get very far. We, that femininity wouldn't be very divine at all, if you know what I mean, right? It would be a very faulty, very flawed type of divine feminine that is hurt and broken and needs help, if that makes sense, right? Obviously, though, right? It, the reason that the moon exists as a teacher for Gaia, and it, I mean, if it's good enough to teach Gaia, probably there's something that all of us can learn from the moon. So let me give the credit where it's due, right? At the same time, the further down the rabbit hole you go, the more you connect with your higher self, two things should happen. I kind of started there um, and, and, and stopped myself. The first one is you need to open up your horizons and start learning from the right teachers. And that is where Venus comes in, right? And we will talk about others potentially, right? Down the road. We could learn from, learn from the Pleiades, by the way, right? We will talk about that in later episodes, right? Because I am taking you on a journey, make no mistake. That's why so many of you are going back and listening to the old episodes. It is because that is how my content is meant to be consumed. You are meant to kind of start from the beginning of that journey with me and then over time get deeper understanding. And over time, you will get a lot deeper with me that you have been before, right? Make no mistake. Because as I'm talking to you, I'm anchoring certain things into the human collective. Once I anchor certain energies into the human collective, the next episode we do together, it's going to be easier for people to process the information that's coming through. Even if they haven't actually listened to my earlier episodes, but some portion of the collective has anchored and understood it. And that's why I can offer you another layer. And so the previous episode about mind control is another layer. That is what happens when you have anchored and understood the energies of the moon is you need to understand that it is controlling you and you need to understand that it is groupthink and promoting groupthink. And you need to understand that it's part of that slave mentality slash slave system that you have been born into. But also, is that the only thing that's out there? And the answer is no. The answer is for anybody that takes the time to develop themselves, that anybody that takes the effort to meditate, to, um, you know, essentially increase their vibrations. Over time, the moon is just not going to be quite enough, right? And so I am here. It is my job to show you what happens after, right? Because arguably, a lot of people can teach you about the moon. There are a lot of moon witches out there. 
And if your next step, if your next level is to align your cycles to the moon and to learn that archetype of divine femininity, then so be it, right? I'm just saying it's not an end all and be all. And that is why it was very frustrating for me to watch. And actually, when I made that episode, everybody who's, you know, maybe I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people were doing moon rituals. And moon rituals, you know, for new moon, full moon are powerful times indeed. However, however, I don't see enough people connecting to the sun. I don't see enough people connecting to Venus. I don't see enough people connecting to Jupiter. I don't see enough people connecting to other higher powers that maybe we should be connecting to. Uranus, Mercury, there are others out there, right? And the moon is kind of getting all these love, right? But not for nothing. Not for nothing, right? Again, it is kind of that first level of spirituality and a little bit of a trap for a lot of spiritual workers because it's almost like, it is such a well-trodden path that most people tend to go there. The problem is those people, you know, when it is time to move beyond it and make that, take that next step, they kind of get stopped, right? And that is, it is my great intention, it is also, you know, my purpose here to make sure you don't get stopped and don't get trapped by things in the human collective, like little pockets, right? And you keep going, like you keep continuing and furthering your development. So all I'm here to say is, if the moon serves you as a teacher at this point in time, I say, great, learn from it. That is all of my, like a lot of my earlier episodes are on that. Once you're ready to graduate from that mentality, there is more for you to learn from about divine femininity. I hope this makes sense. Um, I hope, uh, and by the way, thank you for the question. You know, if there was, you know, um, you know, if there's anything at all that's unclear or like feels contradictory about what I say, do let me know. And I'm happy to clear the air, you know, happy to clear the air. Um, there was a question also um, from um, the same uh, listener, actually, that I really liked, um, who was asking me, you know, why do I not name who the people in charge are? You know, why, you know, do I essentially not want to you know, pull, uh, you know, point any fingers. And there are many reasons for that. Uh, A, you know, for some of this stuff that is meant to come through, it's not just time yet. It is not time yet. For other stuff, you're not actually going to benefit from being too much in the weeds and knowing the answers too much. The things that I can confirm is that when I say that the homo sapiens race is a slave race who do i mean as masters is it the anunnaki the answer is yes the the race that created the current rendition of homo sapiens is the anunnaki is the you know but then and then we start getting into murky waters right and the murky waters is uh so are they the ones running the show and the answer is not entirely there is a whole system, right? And I mentioned that at the very top of the pyramid, right on your dollar bill and that capstone with, a, with an eye, um, eye of Ra, eye of Horus, however you want to uh, call it, either way, like it's uh, that all of these sacred symbols have, have been used and abused so many times over. Um, 
that you know it's it's really hard like there's nothing precious anymore there's nothing sacred anymore essentially on planet earth because every time you create like a sacred geometrical system or like um, um you download like a whole new set of knowledge there is the side of reality that's going to twist it and, and turn it against you um happened with a swastika symbol uh you know, now it's all of a sudden associated with genocide, where it's one of the sun symbols, actually, originally. So there you have it. But where I was going with this is this top of the capstone, this top of the pyramid, is actually a very intricate system of management. Uh, at the very top, it has the dark priesthood uh, that will remain unnamed. However, underneath, they have built a whole system of management. Um, and so there are many, many layers to that system. There are at least 22 layers um, that I think if I were to go into, and by the way, maybe I will. We shall see. Maybe I will, but not yet. Um, and by the way, this is not something you should, you should concern yourself with, right? All you need to know is, um, you know, again, if we're referring to our past episode is, unfortunately, the homo sapiens, the humans are not in charge. And that is the whole point of this awakening is you could be in charge of your life. You are all creators, make no mistake. Yes, you have the DNA of a slave race, right? And that is maybe an important distinction to make. Um, the DNA, right, that runs in each and every one of us is the DNA of a slave race because it was created by the Anunnaki at one point, you know, to mine gold, etc., etc. This, um, the population, the human population right now is being used for many, many different things of which mining gold is actually one thousandth of the purpose anymore. And energy in all its formats that humans have is the main currency. The energy is being used by the dark priests to renew themselves. The energy is being used uh, by other entities that work with them and extraterrestrials as currency human energy um as a lot of other energies is is like is it's currency it's like kind of, kind of like how you guys have dollars or uh, great british pounds in the universe energy is used as money right so that's another type of currency um human blood is unfortunately a very very important resource as as in human tissue and again i'm getting into all of these things that are you know, pretty dark and morbid, but you guys asked, so I kind of have to answer. What I want you to focus on, though, is let's focus on the brighter side. The brighter side is your DNA does not define you. The brighter side is you are an eternal soul that came here for a purpose. You came here during this shakeup period. You came here during this messy period, this period of darkness right this period of the claiming of light and it is going to happen for each of you individually you all individually have to choose light and what do i mean by light light is development and light is expansion and expansion for a slave race always means finding the divinity within it's not about praying to a god that's outside of you that was religion that was the age of pisces we are graduating from that it's finding, finding, acknowledging the divinity within that is the next step, right? 
And it starts with simple energy work. It starts with understanding how the chakras work. It starts with understanding how the energy moves in your body. It starts with simple things like how to manifest the life, the better life. That is why the first book that I wrote is about manifestation, called 72 Keys to Manifestation, an ancient path of a modern-day alchemist. The keys in that book are very ancient. And these are the things that are going to help you unlock the divinity within while also becoming rich, becoming abundant, and getting you all the other things that you really want in life, right? So that is what we should be focusing on. And that is why I actually precisely why I don't like talking too much about the dark side. And here is another, you guys didn't ask me, but I want to say this. I like talking about the light. I like talking about your potential. I like talking about your greatness. I like talking about how I believe in you. I like talking about how I can help you unlock your potential. I like talking to you about the good things in life, things that will give you hope. Because it is my great belief that if I can anchor that light energy for you, you know, it will imprint in your bodies, right? Does it mean that I do not see the darkness? Absolutely not. The darkness is everywhere. In fact, on this planet, finding light is really hard. Finding dark darkness is incredibly easy, right? But you will not necessarily see me going too much into the aspect of darkness. Not because I want to, you know, it's kind of like whitewashing, like lightwashing. It's not because I want to lightwash and it's not because it's like purple rainbows and unicorns, right? There, there are many reasons why I like to focus on the light aspect. And here is, here's why. I think we, as people who are, you know, I mean, we, I guess it's, it's really hard to put us all under one bucket, right? Whether you're a light worker is a better way of putting it. Whether you're just somebody who is on the journey of discovering your own light, right? Whether you're just somebody curious, that's just trying to make sense of the mess that is out there. I think right now at this point in time, it's incredibly easy to take an antagonistic stand, uh, point of view or stand, meaning they're black or they're dark and, and that means they're bad and these people are good, you know, and like let's divide the world into two parts and, you know, let's try to crucify the bad people, get rid of all the bad people and all the vaccines and everything, everything. And I will tell you that that is not the answer. I will tell you that that is not the answer. Because if you raise above that, if you rise, and like, by the way, you can do that in a meditative state. I'm not just, I'm not kidding you guys. This perspective that I'm talking about is available to you today if you want it, right? So you can stay in the world of duality where you have to be a warrior, where you have to keep swinging, where you have to always be worried and look, you know, behind your shoulder and be, you know, scared of things. You can stay in that dualistic world or you can rise up and see something else. And what is up there, right? Is that purple rainbows and unicorns? No. But what would you, what you would be able to see if you rose up to the right level of perspective is this everything 
that is happening right now on planet Earth is part of a greater plan. It's part of a cosmic plan. The people who are the usurpers, if you will, the management, however you want to call it, the very top of the capstone, are the people and the beings who are here at work. And they are, believe it or not, serving the masses in their own way, in their own way. So you should see that. Because what happens if you raise above duality is unity. And in, from the standpoint of unity, you would know that there is a plan that every single being, good, bad, black, white, in between, has signed up for, including you, right? And we're all just in the middle, in the, in the, in the thick of it, right? We all signed up for this because we all believed in this. And by the way, we all knew that there is going to be a pandemic. And we all n knew, by the way, or know what will happen after, which is, I mean, this is just nothing. We, we, you guys haven't seen anything yet. Not to, again, not to focus you on the dark side, right? So that's why I don't like to name names when I say, oh, you're being controlled by X, you're being controlled by Y, because that forces you into a warrior stance of me versus them. Oh, these are the bad guys. Because humanity is wired to find a scapegoat. And the moment they find the scapegoat, they feel like they've found the answer. And I will tell you, the answer is not finding the scapegoat. And by the way, we should not blame anybody from the top of the capstone for anything that's happening. They're here doing their job, is all it is. And by the way, the purpose of all of this is greater unity for all. Greater unity, yes. And we're going to have to work to get there, by the way, right? So that's that. That was the question. Um, I believe there is actually, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of jumping back and forth. There was also a question about um, this, actually the moon, right again, uh, the, we'll, we'll do this one quick, about the spirit of the moon and essentially how come she agreed to come here and be this vehicle, right? for essentially mind control, <laughs> controlling of the, of the human population. Like, how come, right? And, and the answer is there is a lesson for her in this, right? Essentially, she is living the archetype of the controlling mother, right? That is what the moon is studying at this moment in time, not the moon. Well, I, you know what I mean? The, the, the spirit, the soul that inhabits the moon, right? And as such, she needs to understand what it actually feels and she needs to watch what happens to the beings that are being controlled. If she's a controlling mother, how is she going to learn it fully? Like she needs to understand her impact. What's her karma? And she can only understand that by watching. At this point, billions of people go through her form of control, her version of control. By the way, she's not able to control every single person, every single human equally, right? So it's a spectrum. Some people are in complete and utter control of the moon, you know, and, and some people are less controlled, right? And so she's watching the full spectrum, right? So that is why she is a part of this, is because it helps her, A, understand herself better, understand her impact better, and thus evolve, 
and thus expand. I hope this makes sense. Another request that came through, this one came through from more than one person, and you guys know who you are, and I'm grateful for you. Um, there was a request on um, how, essentially, if I could tell you guys how to better connect with, with Venus and Jupiter. Um, what wants to come through today is really quickly we could talk about Venus because, you know, since the moon is ain't it at higher levels, of, at higher echelons of consciousness, you know, why don't we talk a little bit about Venus? Um, I feel like I keep sounding like a broken record because Venus is just, you know, she's my favorite. She's one of my favorites. Um, and there's not... Uh, what has been pointed out to me, there's not a lot of information out there. So I think uh, quite a few of you tried to Google how to connect with um, Venus. And I swear to God, I will make probably a full episode, if not more than one episode in the future um, about Venus. One thing that you know you should expect from me in 2022 is a lot of content on divine feminine energies. Um, since there's a new book that I'm birthing, it's all about the divine femininity. There's going to be all kinds of insights about the Holy Grail, about the lineage of the, you know, the, the Magdalene, uh, Mary Magdalene and the lineage of the Rose and all of that good stuff. However, today is not about that. Why don't we really, really quickly talk about Venus? So if you're looking to connect with Venus, as well as if you're looking to actually, let me take it a step back. If you're looking to connect with Divine Feminine, the quickest path with divine feminine through planetary work, right? Or through through work with like um, I meant like with um, the planets, right? The first thing you need to do is to activate your connection with divine florals. Divine florals are flowers that are essentially a path, like they're a means to an end. There are three divine florals that you need to activate. These divine florals are. Um, the rose, you need to activate your rose connection. You need to activate your lotus connection and you need to activate your lily connection, white lily. Three. Once you activate the connection with these three florals, you are going to be lightweight, like light years ahead of where you are today in trying to understand your divine femininity. That is the next level from the moon. I mean, I mean it. Your rose connection lives in your heart. Actually, both of your hearts. There's the lower heart that you have, just where your heart chakra is. And there is the higher heart that you have, which is your thymus gland. Your thymus gland, if you guys don't know it, Google it. I also did. I, I mentioned thymus gland all the time, essentially, right? So that is where the rose in your body lives, right? Again, all, all of these flowers are a proxy or like it's almost like a template right an energetic template that was placed on planet earth by divine mother so that people who are interested in connecting with divine femininity could anchor those energies again three flowers very easy rose connection lives in the heart um specifically the higher heart so your thymus gland there are three most important roses for you to connect to the red rose, the white rose, and the pink rose. Each and every single one of you, even a, a man, by the way, right? Because we know that feminine and masculine are just labels for energy, right? All of you have that inside of your bodies today, tomorrow, always. 
There are three main roses, the white, the red, and the pink. Each of you is going to have an affinity to a particular flower, to a particular rose color, right? So if you are, if you center yourself in a meditative state, you want to imagine that there is a rose that's opening up and springing to life into in your higher heart center in your thymus gland. You want to pay attention to the color of that rose, right? That is your guardian rose. That's the one you should work with. Is it white? Is it red? Is it pink? There are a lot more colors of the rose, but most of you are going to see one of these three. The second flower, the second divine floral that you need to establish a connection with is a lotus flower. I don't think I'm going to break any big secrets here if I tell you that resides in your third eye area, right, around your pineal gland. That is why the symbol of enlightenment is the lotus flower. That is why it's all over Eastern philosophies, Buddhism. And a lot of, you know, I don't know, Quan Yin was born in the lotus. Isis was connected um, to the lotus. Um, so your lotus connection. And again, that lives in your third eye area. The third sacred flower is the white lily. The white lily lives in the both, in both palms of your hands. Smack in the middle, right? Activating the divine lily is activating the aspect of divine feminine in you, right? So let me, let me take it back. So the heart is the divine feeling, right? That's why the rose lives in the heart. The lotus is the divine sight, right? Divine perception. And the hands and the lily is the divine action of the feminine. Once you have these three flowers down pat, Again, you're light years away or ahead of everybody else in trying to understand divine femininity. So anchoring those energies into these centers is paramount, you guys, if you're trying to get to the next level of understanding, to the next level of insight. If you want to become your own source of information, right? activate these three flower connections. When I say activate, what do I mean by that? You want to meditate and imagine right? Focus on each of three parts of your body, or four, I guess, if we're, if we're counting both hands as like two, right? And so you want to go part by part, starting in the heart, seeing the white rose or the red rose or the pink rose come to life. Then you want to move to your third eye area and watch your lotus open its petals, right? You want to watch it happen, right? And then you want to see the white lilies unfold in both of your hands. You want to see that happen, right? You want to feel it. You want to feel it. You want to uh, sense the tingling in both of your uh, hands, right? Because until they're fully activated, all of these three, you're going to be walking this path half asleep from the divine feminine perspective. But where were we? I started this with a question from you guys about Venus, right? You asked how to connect with Venus. Um, here's the deal. To truly connect with Venus, we Venus is connected with the heart energy, right? Of all the planets. So like Venus would be a heart. So essentially a higher heart has a straight up connection to Venus. Venus 
is a planet that stands for beauty. Venus is a planet that stands for divine harmony. It's a great harmonizer planet. Its symbol numerologically is number five, which again is a great uh, harmonizer of energies. uh, Five is a very beautiful divine feminine number in numerology. Venus, there's, you know, concept of the Venusian rose. And essentially, so when Earth, uh, sorry, when, when Venus moves, like from the standpoint of people on Earth, right? If we were to trace that movement, it would look like the rose, the five petal rose, kind of like unfolding. That is like if we were to trace the movement of the planet Venus, right? So Venusian energies are exceptionally connected to the energies of the rose. So if you are looking to connect with planet Venus, let's just talk at the level of physicality. What you want to do is buy yourself roses. Any color doesn't really matter as often as possible, right? It's actually really, really good to just have rose in your vicinity, right? The more roses you have in your vicinity, the easier it would be for you to A, establish and B, maintain your connection with planet Venus, that's that two what you want to do like i said is activate all the flowers in in your body right because that is already going to help the throughput of you know essentially feminine energies in your body right because your body needs to have pathways for certain energies to come through if those pathways are blocked or not activated the energies cannot come through or they cannot come through to their right degree, to the right amount. And that is what I mean by first activating the flower connection. That's why I started talking to you about the divine florals. That's one. Or should I say that's two, right? Because at this point, I already told you about other things. Now, why don't I tell you a little bit about how to activate Unfortunately, activating the the Venus connection is not a three-second answer. There are a few reasons for that. So, do you guys know the Vitruvian Man? Right? Or maybe you guys don't know. Um, anyway, uh, the, the Vitruvian Man is um, essentially Leonardo da Vinci and his study of like how the, the, ma- the uh, human body fits with... Um, a few different things right like um essentially the the cross right he explored like the cross right that's why the the arms are outstretched right and then there is the vertical and the horizontal axis of the cross and then um he also explored how the um human body fits within the um a five-pointed star right which again is um, it's it's the five elements, right? Uh, by the five, the fifth element is spirit. Really, uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is this: there is a lot that's broken about even the symbology on planet Earth. I shouldn't say broken, but there is a whole slew of information that is conveniently missing because it's a blind spot. And in the same way that certain planets haven't been discovered yet, there are certain planets even within the solar system that haven't been discovered yet. In the same way that the black sun, for instance, is the realm of the unconscious, right? 
there are certain things, there are certain aspects of energy that are not being talked about or have been slightly erased. So if we're talking about this cross and the idea of the cross, cross, and by the way, the idea of the cross and the idea of the rose are, these are the two extremely sacred symbols that have been the domain of a lot of secret societies. One being Rosicrucianism. Literally, it's in the name, the rose and the cross. Rosicrucianism. So they have two very important symbols, the rose and the cross. Now, we're not going to get too deeply into their philosophy, but I will explain why I'm going there. If you fully want to activate your Venus connection, you need to activate the cross of your body and you need to activate the rose in your body. That is the stepping stone to becoming a fully activated human. Wouldn't you agree if you're all masculine all the way, and that meaning, I don't mean you're all, obviously we all, we all have feminine aspects, but if that is the part of you that you keep tapping into day in and day out, in order for you to become fully complete, like a fully united Vitruvian man or woman, right? You would need to activate the other aspect that's lacking, which in this case is femininity, right? So if the more we as a society lean into femininity, the more we lean into our godliness or goddessness, the more we graduate from the slave archetype, which again brings me full circle, right? This is the next step of the evolutionary journey, which means every human would need to understand what the heck does it mean to integrate the rose and what the heck does it mean to integrate the cross in their own physical body. So let's talk about the cross. The cross has a vertical line and it has a horizontal line. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think you would. Now, which one do you think is more feminine? Which one do you think is more masculine? Enough of you are correct. So the vertical line is more of the masculine aspect. The horizontal line parallel to the floor is more of the feminine aspect. Again, it is a very big generalization because there are both energies within both of these axes. However, the horizontal line is more of the realm of the hidden, more of the realm of the occult, more of the realm of the forgotten, because that is the more feminine aspect of energy within your female body. Sorry, within your body, human body is what I meant to say. Right? So that is the part that has been forgotten or conveniently erased by those that will rename unnamed, my favorite, obviously, because they're completely irrelevant for this particular episode. So, all of you by now, I think, most of you are familiar with the chakra system, right? kundalini rising you know essentially that vertical line of energy you all are familiar with it that is just one aspect of the cross that is just one aspect of the ankh of your body the breath of life system of your body what about the vertical line sorry i meant the horizontal line what about the horizontal line does anybody ever wonder, like, okay, anyway, so Jesus died on the cross, right? You guys all know that, right? So that is ingrained in your psyche that there was a cross 
right? He died on the cross. His arms were outstretched. What is this a symbol for? That the energetic structure of your body is a cross. And yet, day in and day out, we just take the energy from the root to the crown or the crown to the root or, you know, essentially back and forth vertically. We're just working one aspect of our reality, one aspect of our body. What about the other aspect of our bodies? What about the other axis? And the other axis is the arms outstretched. That's the other axis. By the way, you do not have to be crucified to be able to leverage that. You heard it here first, huh? <laughs> Anyhow, and then, like I said before, there is a point zero. The point zero is your thymus. So, in order to activate your connection with Venus, in order to activate your connection with high-level femininity, with the Divine Mother, and all of the good stuff that goes beyond the moon, you need to activate your horizontal axis, which means talking about the chakras that are located here. The first chakra that is located on this axis is your thymus gland, your higher heart chakra, chakra number one. Then you have two chakras that are your shoulder chakras in your right shoulder, your left shoulder. Then you have two chakras that are located in your elbows, your right elbow and your left elbow. And then you have two chakras located in the palms of your hands, the light or the right and the left. And together they are seven. Yep. You have seven chakras on this vertical axis that you have no idea about, no clue about, and kind of don't use. All of these chakras, all of these chakras can be awakened through the energy of the rose. So essentially it is now the vertical, sorry, the, the horizontal line also represents the present, right? It's, it's kind of like, what are we doing in the now, the power of now, right? So all of these centers, if you're trying to be most activated at the present moment in time, all of these centers need to be activated. The seven horizontal chakras need to start coming into play. They must. They must. So here's what I would like for you to do. I would like for you to close your eyes really quickly and I can walk you through. I mean, this is not going to be a guided meditation by any stretch of imagination, but I'm just going to explain to you what you would need to do to connect to Venus, to start finally downloading and receiving codes of higher divine feminine consciousness into your own body. So all kinds of healing, so all kinds of mending, so all kinds of uplifting could happen for you. Here's what you would need to do. First things first, you focus on the rose, the activated rose in your higher heart, right? And you focus and you imagine that that rose is growing in its power and, you know, more petals are being created within its body, right? And so it's really starting to flourish and bloom and grow and become beautiful and wonderful. And then I want you to imagine that you're starting to move actually to the left side of your body, right? And we're gonna create, we're gonna draw the path of the rose. 
That's what we're going to do right now. Lineage of the Rose, by the way, just this occult secret society, I mean, maybe not occult, of pursuing your divine femininity, was obsessed with the path of the rose. There are many aspects to the path of the rose. There are many different paths of the rose, but this is one. This is a critical one that I'm going to teach you today. So you want to imagine, and we're going to travel through all of the chakras, right? So we're going to go left into your arm, left arm right now, right? And we're going to start with your shoulder. So you want to imagine that the rose that you have in your higher heart in the very center of your body is starting to kind of like travel, right? It's almost like it's starting to travel. And it goes straight into your shoulder, like the center of your shoulder, right? And it starts to bloom there. So it start, starts activating the chakra of your left shoulder. For those of you that are holding on to a lot of trauma in that area, right? You are going to start feeling the relief, a tremendous relief as this part of your body gets activated. There is a lot of trauma around the feminine side of your mother's family that gets deposited in your shoulder area. I just want to acknowledge that, right? And so you want to allow that rose to bloom, right? You want to allow it to work through any dark, negative stuff, any blockages in this area of your body. And then you want that rose to move. And then it would move to the left elbow, like to the inner um, part of your elbow, not the outer, but the inner, right? So that rose is traveling a path through your body. And as it centers in the left inner elbow, you want to imagine the rose growing there. And you want to imagine it flourishing there, right? And then you want to imagine that rose traveling to the left palm of your hand, right? And opening up in the very middle of your palm, kind of like opening up, opening up, really blooming here. And as it does so, really clearing any negativity, any blockages, any stuff that is preventing you from living your perfect golden gilded blueprint. And now I want you to imagine planet Venus. For this particular exercise, I want you to imagine that as a color pink. Although it's debatable, a lot of people will tell you that Venus is actually blue. But um, it is pink energetically. As this beautiful, energetically very pink hue. And so you want to imagine that this planet is actually filled with roses. Like, it's almost like its surface is like a, a rose garden that just keeps blooming. And they have all kinds of roses in there, all colors. They even have the black rose, and they have the golden rose, and they have the silver rose, and they have the rainbow rose, and they have the blue rose in there. And so planet Venus and Venusian energies are just so abundant in the different shades of femininity. And each of the roses is the color of that aspect of femininity. And so what I want you to imagine is that your own rose from the left palm of your hand is traveling to planet Venus, to its home, right? Because your high heart by default is connected to planet Venus. Your higher heart by default 
is being nurtured by planet Venus. Whether you give Venus credit for it or you don't, it doesn't really matter. So what you want to imagine is that this rose is traveling from your palm, love palm, to Venus. And as it's joined with a planet, everything starts to bloom tenfold, ten times faster, ten times better. And your rose that you just sent to planet Venus is being cleansed and nourished. And it's almost like it's covered with this like gilded dust that transforms every cell within that rose, right? It's saturating that rose with higher aspects of divinity and understanding and intuition and beauty and love and forgiveness and compassion, all of the things that you know we associate with the divine feminine energies. And so this rose is becoming more potent. It's becoming more pronounced. It's becoming more activated. And now I want you to see how this rose is traveling back, making a full loop. And it's landing in the palm of your right hand, in your right palm, on the other side of your body. So it just made a complete loop, right? And so now the right side of your body, which is essentially your dad's lineage, but still women, right? Because we're activating the Nusian energy. So the women on your father's side, right? And we want to cleanse any of the blockages that they had around divine action, right? Around the stuff that's in the palms. Of, of your hands right it's all about action and the give and take right so if any of them had problem receiving things or giving things all of that karma has been accumulated in the palm right so you want to cleanse that you want to heal that with the help of the Minusian rose and so as the chakra becomes activated I want you to imagine how that rose is starting to travel up your body to the right elbow the inner elbow chakra and you know remain like it would remain there right this part is actually also responsible for direction right the chakra is responsible for direction right directing the energy of our action right so we always want to make sure that there is a lot of healing that happens here so imagine this rose blooming here so that our direction can be strong, our guidance, our inner guidance can be strong, so our intuition can also allow and enable the direction that we go in. And then you want to imagine this go, this rose goes to the socket, to the kind of like the, um, to the shoulder area, not quite the armpit, but you know, the, the inner shoulder. And you want to imagine that rose cleansing and healing everything in that area. And finally, when you feel ready, coming back to the center, to the thymus gland, to your grade zero. Com having completed the full circle of Venus, the full path of the rose, coming back into the heart. You could speed this up once you do one full cycle of this. And you could actually, on the in-breath, you could do like a very deep inhale. And again, um, start in the center of your chest area on the inhale. And then, you know, once you inhale, kind of like do the loop really quickly from the center of your heart to the shoulder, to the elbow, to the palm of your hand, and to planet Venus. That should be the inhale. And then hold there for five, five counts. Again, Venus is five, everything. 
And then on the exhale, take the loop back through the right side of your body, bringing the rose straight into the center of your heart, right? And I recommend doing this at least five times or 10, five, 10, 15. So like, like anything that you multiply or divide by five is the number of Venus, right? So that's how many you know inhales and exhales you wanna to do to fully participate and connect with Venus, right? That is just one way. I mean, like everything else in life, there are so many ways to connect with a the planet. There are so many ways that you can learn from it, but I think this is a good start. You know, this is something that we can start building a foundation on. And this is really, really important. I hope that this just made sense to you. Um, I wanted to see if the collective has any questions for me. There are more questions that I could answer from, you know, the people that reached out on social, but I just wanted to give you a chance to ask me anything. This is the AMA section, right? Now, one thing I just to set up the rules, I would love for you to ask something that is helpful for the rest of humanity to understand, right? Something that is going to be helpful for the collective, not something that is just, you know, a very, very unique thing to you. Okay. Anything you wanted to ask given that guardrail, I'm here to receive it at this point in time. Okay. What came through is um, can you talk a little bit about indigo children? Uh, can you please talk about, you know, how do I know if I am one? How do I know if, um, you know, my child is one? Um, indigo children is actually a very collective type. Collective is the wrong word. Um, it's a very overgeneralized way to talk about somebody of um, higher caliber. So here's the deal. There, have you guys heard of, of samsara? Um, I mean, if you, if you study like Hinduism or like Eastern philosophy, you, you may have heard. So essentially it's a cycle of incarnations. There are certain souls that are stuck on planet earth for the lack of a better word, because this is Oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to get into a whole other discussion here that I don't necessarily want to get into. Uh, but um, planet Earth is a place of exile for, for certain certain kinds of souls. It's not, this is not necessarily a vacation destination, uh, but this is a little bit of a guinea pig planet. And this is a planet where, um, okay, I have to explain what I mean by the guinea pig planet. Oi. Um, did I just get myself into <laughs> this big trap that I can't climb out of? So essentially, there are you guys. I think I, I think I told you about the spiritual hierarchy, right? Within the spiritual hierarchy, there is all these beings of light that are essentially assembled in a hierarchy that are in their non non incarnate states. As you move up the spiritual hierarchy, you start exhibiting more and more po powers that are like to gods or, you know, reminiscent of gods and goddesses. And what I mean by that is at one point in time within the spiritual hierarchy, you start creating your own worlds, you start creating your own galaxies, you start creating your own universes. It just happens at a certain level of your development as a soul, if you go high enough. Now, before you can create your own galaxy, 
you need to have a plan for how yours is going to be different because you as the, say, the ruler or the creator of the galaxy are going to have certain, well, you're going to have to make up the rules essentially, right? Within reason, you know, sometimes you, depending on what level you are, you can get a full card blanche or like a partial card blanche. Now, you have to have opinions on what that means as in you cannot just like build a world and make it a very convincing and very good world if you don't have experience right um and then apparently or maybe not apparent but you know you, you don't just get experience out of nowhere you have to practice right in the same way that you cannot just like ride a bike without practicing or like speak a language without practicing you can really create successful galaxies and universes and solar systems or sun systems without practicing and so planet earth is a kind of planet it's not at all unique but it is one of those planets where i call it the guinea pig type planet where light beings that are studying to be gods and goddesses go to test out different systems and philosophies and societies and to see if they can run them successfully in a microcosm, which is this planet, to then see if they can run it successfully in a macrocosm, right? And then essentially it would be copy-paste from here. So uh, where I was going with this, and trust me, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get to the indigo children. I know I kind of went far there. <laughs> I just really, I just really want you to understand the big picture. Sorry, so guilty as charged. Anyhow, so because planet Earth is a planet where certain souls go to be exiled, and essentially they are stuck in a perpetual experiment of a being that's learning to essentially be build their own galaxies or build their own universes, right? Certain beings, once they get exiled here, they cannot leave. And so samsara is essentially an infinite or seemingly infinite cycle of incarnations. So that is about, well, it's hard to put a number on it, but let's say depending on the time that this happens, planet Earth would, or the, the timing that we're talking about, Planet Earth would house between 48 and 96% of beings that are just going through their samsara and cannot leave the constraints of the solar system. So they can only incarnate here, right? So they are exi exiled, essentially, right? It's kind of being imprisoned in the spiritual sense. And I don't, I don't like today we don't have the time to go into the why. Why would somebody get, you know, located here or imprisoned here so indigo children is um, a name for souls that are not that essentially so souls beings of higher caliber generally they're by higher caliber i generally mean that their soul is more evolved and they're not essentially exiled here uh, you know they would come here as either teachers or, you know, to anchor certain energies. Very often they're called light workers or star seeds. There are many names for it, right? So essentially indigo children are beings that are not confined within the constraints of the solar system. They're not confined here. They're not exiled here. In other words, they just do not belong, right? It is a very, you know, 
it's a very rudimentary way, very oversimplified way of calling somebody that is of higher frequency as a soul, right? All of these people are indigo children. Now, there are many, there are, you know, crystal children, there are rainbow children, you know, again, all of your star seeds, you know, coming from Sirius, Pleiades, Orion, there are a lot of them, right? So essentially, all of them collectively could be called indigo children. How do you know if you're one? It's not always easy. It's not always easy. Very often, indigo children would feel like they don't fully belong here, like they're visiting, right? As opposed to people who are going through the samsara, like they kind of know it's their home, or they're like, they've like, they've, they, 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 like there's a feeling there's a memory right despite the fact that we all go through the veil of forgetfulness there is still a memory and indigo children again the collective name i don't really love the term because it's not like their energy is all indigo all the time not at all there are a lot of rainbow children like i said they come like with essentially the full spectrum of the rainbow activated in their auric field like we can't really reduce them to the color indigo um but you know since indigo is kind of at one point, you know, it was considered um, that the crown center is really the color indigo. So that's kind of like how and why this indigo children started to be called indigo. Whereas I actually perceive the crown center to be white. The reason being that it is our unity center. And, you know, if we look at the color of the light, it's white because essentially you know, once you put the rainbow through the prism on the other side, it gives you white light, right? So, um, you know, how do you know? Like, how do you know if you're an indigo child? You know, if, you, if this never felt like home, if you feel like there's something missing or you're like you're missing the bigger picture. Very often, these people, these beings are more introverted. So they don't always find solace or they're not as engaged on this planet because this feels like either a weird experiment to them or like kindergarten type situation going on, right? So they find it very hard to engage in things that everybody else who is native to planet Earth engages in. What are some examples of that? I don't know. Gossip, you know, uh, pop culture, um, fashion sometimes politics, anything that's like of the system, they may find it hard to engage in. Very often they may find it hard to engage with the concept of money, or they don't really fully buy into this whole money situation conundrum. They don't necessarily buy the idea of, you know, selling their time for cash. You know, they have other values. Um, so there's just, these are just some of the things. These are your seekers very often. You know, they have very open centers higher centers right so these are your people that are always going to be very intuitive uh, very often they're empaths very often they're introverted right um, they also tend to be a lot more creative because um in higher in higher um dimensions uh souls really think of them themselves and really identify as creators not consumers consumerism is actually um a, a signature of lower dimensional worlds so very often you indigo children your you know high vibrating beings are going to be looking to create they're going to be seeking to 
put things out there instead of just blindly consume you know I could go on and on and on uh, but uh, I think like all of these things are very easy to recognize in yourself things how do you recognize that your child is you know like a light worker or like an indigo kid is if they like some some examples may be if they find it hard to socialize early in life like fit in for whatever reason if they get bullied a lot could be an indigo child very, very easily. Um, why is it so, right? Because like when an indigo child comes in, like a child that is not of this world comes in, they find it really, really hard to fit in because they, it just this world doesn't make sense to them. It's too dense. The people are too weird, you know. Very often the indigo children would feel the cruelty of this world really, really deeply in their heart, right? all the pain and the suffering in the, in the way that other, other children are not, right? So again, they're going to find it really hard to socialize. They're going to be, they, they may be loners. They may have a hard time finding friends. They may have a hard time fitting in, right? So if your child does, is, has a hard time fitting in, could be an indigo child. This is also like if your child has a hard time being in the system and doing things that are of the system, could be an indigo child. For example, sometimes people that hate school, you know, they could be an indigo child. Can I just stop here for one second? Because one of the questions that I, I also received um, from one of the listeners is she's really struggling because she has a daughter, a beautiful daughter, that is struggling in school. She doesn't like it. Um, and the listeners asked me, like, essentially what, what she should do now. Um this is a free will universe. So the last thing I will do is give you specific advice on what you should do with your child, because that is not my role. My role is to open up your perception enough that you could make the decisions that are informed decisions for yourself, your family, you know, your children. That is my job. My job is not to tell you what to do at all. So in this particular case, right? And I think the exact question is, um, you know, she's worried about unschooling, you know, like she's worried about the future of her child, like what happens if, if the child doesn't go through the schooling program and I actually have a strong sense that this particular child that we're talking about is an indigo child. So enough of you actually may be going through this. The most important person to liberate from the school system is the parent, not the kid. Let me repeat that. The most important person that needs liberation in this scenario is the parent not the child remember you as a parent are more ingrained in the system of doing things than your child is your child is barely indoctrinated yet you are the one trying to indoctrinate them but you as a parent are a lot more let me say brainwashed maybe into thinking that there is a template to how you, to live a life and then there is a correct template right and you may be struggling you know picking another path because the collective of humanity is putting their children through the school system. So I'm saying your answer starts with liberating yourself from the template of what is good and right versus wrong, right? So liberate yourself first. Just like on a plane, you put the oxygen mask on yourself as a parent first. Help yourself first, right? Because it's not the kid that's trapped in the school system. You are. You're trapped. 
you have certain belief systems around schooling that you need to graduate from, that you need to break the ties with. Literally cutting cords with an egregore of the schooling system is something you should do as a parent first. By the way, from that place, once you cut the cords, it's almost like you would start seeing for the first time everything for what it is, right? And that would help you make better decisions as a parent. That would help you make more informed decisions. By the way, there is not one right or wrong answer for everybody. The answer is different in this particular case of what you do then. Once you as a parent liberate yourself from the system, you would see that there are so many options. You would see that there's not just one one template to live into. You would see that even if we're talking about succeeding in society, some of the most successful people don't have a college degree or are college dropouts and are being kind of like as, as successful, if not more, compared to some of the people that have gone through the schooling system. I will tell you that where the society is going is a lot more homeschooling in the next two decades than ever before. And the going is going to get easier for those parents that find like-minded parents. Because you need to start establishing new pockets of normalcy. So you need to find parents that are thinking the same way if you're worried about your kid. Find the mother, the father of a kid that also hates going to school and start brainstorming together. What does it mean if you try to homeschool? Because I don't think the answer in uh, a logical society is to not study. That cannot be the answer. Let's be real, right? You want to set your kid up for success as much as possible. So you want to make sure that their, you know, their left brain is being developed, not just their right brain, right? Both need to de- develop equally, right? The point of equilibrium is 50% masculinity, 50% femininity, right? It's not by suppressing our masculine that we get to become feminine. It's by developing both equally, right? So we do need the logic and we do need the mathematics and we do need the sciences, you know, for a kid to be very well, you know, to belong into society, right? To, to be able to find their own path and find their own way, right? And it is a lot easier, again, to solve for this when there is more than one person trying to solve for it. And by the way, you know, there are more and more different like localized kinds of schools and more and more kinds of options for people that want to homeschool their children with really good curriculums. If you only were to look, they do exist. Also, you know, just to finish off here, your kid may hate going to school, but, but you're also going through a whole process of socializing that is a lesson of life in and of itself, right? They may hate the subjects, but make no mistake, they are learning everything they're supposed to learn through interacting with others as well. So that's just, let me make that important disclaimer. Um, Okay, so with indigo children, right? If you're feeling that your child is maybe a little bit of a loner or is different, just recognize, right, that right now is a point in time where on this planet there are more and more of these special children that are coming and there's going to be more of them in the future because they are the ones actually especially now we're talking about the age of Aquarius you know what 
Aquarius is not a conformist. An Aquarius, and a, somebody like the number one value for an Aquarius is freedom. They could care less about your dogma. They could care less about your templates. They really just don't care that this is how society is run. So a lot more of these kids are going to come through. So the more the system, right, is trying to get you into groupthink, the more you're going to get, you're gonna, the more you're going to have kids that completely could care less being born on planet Earth. Because that is balance, right? And as a parent, like I said, first thing you should liberate your own consciousness. And then you should understand what options are out there. Because make no mistake, there's always more than one option available to you. And more and more parents are going to be faced with this decision because more and more indigo kids, more and more high vibrational kids are going to be born every year. And they got to go somewhere. And trust me, they're not going to love school the way it stands right now. So how we educate our children is going to have to evolve. Absolutely. Uh, why don't I take one more question? I feel like I went on a tangent, but I really wanted this to be open-ended. So <laughs> I hope you're here with me for the ride. Anything that serves the collective, anything that serves humanity, I'm happy to respond. Uh, uh, yes, I'm here to receive the question. The question is about the black sun. Okay, I guess we're going deep. Um, and the question is, um, this person heard that the black sun is actually associated with Hitler. And so, um, they think that that is really satanic symbol that stands for darkness and death and I've, I've mentioned something about the black sun earlier in this podcast so they were wondering what my take is on the black sun here's my take on the black sun or in fact let me just say something even prior to the black sun there are all of these symbols that historically stand for light that for many, many different reasons, have been either adopted by beings that don't stand for light or have been slightly twisted so they cannot be used as in originally intended. There are many examples of that, including the Eye of Horus or the Eye of Ra, right? This is one of the symbols that has been misused, right? And has been put on a lot of insignia of occult societies that don't necessarily mean well. Um, there have been many, many symbols that have been misused. Like I said, the swastika is one, right? Um, even the Star of David, right? There's many. Um, now somehow the pentacle is associated with black magic. I don't know if you guys know this, right? And the pentacle is the five pointed star, uh, surrounded by the circle, right? It is for God's sake, not bl a black magic symbol. Can it be used by pract practitioners of black magic? Absolutely. Right. Because what is it? Is it, it's a particular flow of, um, 
energy. Here's what I mean by that. Do you know like gravity, right? So is gravity good or bad, right? The answer is gravity is neither. Gravity is neither black or white, right? You could argue, right, that, for instance, if a plane just crashed, right, gravity is bad because gravity is responsible for bringing the plane down, right? But at the same time, gravity is responsible for maintaining you uh, kind of like locked into this planet and you're not floating in, in cosmos anywhere, magnetized by other planets randomly. Wouldn't you say that from this perspective, gravity is good? What I'm here to, the point that I'm making is gravity is neither. Gravity just is a force that exists, right? A lot of symbols, a lot of insignia, a lot of sacred geometry, right? These are templates. These are sources of power or energy. They're neither bad or good. It's how you use them that matters, right? Same thing with fire. Is fire bad or good? You can use it to warm up your food or your home, or you can use it to burn down the village. So let's not make fire bad just because it has been used to burn down villages. And that is all you know of the fire. My stance on the black sun is A, the concept of the black sun is cosmic in nature. It exists within the solar system. So we cannot reduce the concept as big as the sun to a very short reign of a being called Hitler that was, you know, kind of like a blip in, in, in time and space, right? You cannot define something that is essentially eternal, comparatively speaking, by a regime that was, I don't know, a 10-year-old regime, 10 to 15. Do you see how that is a complete blind spot and a complete misappropriation of, of how life works? It's kind of like somebody trying to define your whole incarnation by three seconds that happened this morning when you were maybe brushing your teeth. And they could look at the three seconds and they're like, well, I don't know, this person is just brushing their teeth. Like, they're not going to amount to anything. And you're like, wait a second. What about the other years that I've lived and the more years that I'm going to live? And you're judging me by brushing my teeth? I'm like, eh. I hope this makes sense, right? So the black sun is a very important energy that is completely in the realm of the subconscious right now for humanity. In fact, in fact, it's not even proven by science that it exists. The black sun is completely not real, right? Although it is very much real, make no mistake. It is an energy of the subconscious. The black sun rules the right side of our brain, the creative aspect of our brain. It rules intuition. It rules lucid dreaming, the dreamscape. It rules the Akashic records, actually. And it is an incredible source of power for those that know how to wield it. And when I say power, I don't mean personal power. Again, fire is neither good or bad. 
It is how you use it that matters, right? In other words, the black sun can be your greatest ally for good and for light if you know how to use it and if you don't abuse it. In the same way that the actual sun, if you abuse it, by the way, can be a great force for evil. Again, because it is an energy and a tool, right? Everything can be twisted. Everything and anything. Also, nothing is black and white. <laughs> Despite the fact it can be called the black sun, right? The black is not bad, you guys, okay? Why don't we get this out of our system? Black doesn't mean bad, right? I hope. I hope we all know that, right? Especially given that we've talk, talked so much about the divine feminine, right? The womb inside of a woman is all black. Is that bad? Or is that where life comes from? Why don't you reminisce on that, right? Okay, well, this was a little bit of a mishmash. <laughs> I personally had a really good time. I personally thought that a lot of deep information came through that I did not even expect to give you today. I'm doing this in the flow. Apparently, there is something that's stirring up in the collective where you guys are ready for some of these truths. I hope that <laughs> I didn't confuse you further. If I did, there are DMs for that. For anybody that is, you know, sending me DMs, um, I hear you. I thank you. And, you know, I am sending you guys so much love and so much light you can do this know that you have incarnated at such a very special time and such a very special juncture that anything you do in this lifetime is pivotal you can literally skyrocket at soul level by doing good work on this planet today the work on yourself, on the collective, all of it, right? The choices that you make right now really matter at soul level for you. This time is so pivotal that essentially everything you do is very visible, right? Every day matters. Your actions, your choices really, really matter. They can really propel you into ascension at soul level if that is your intention or not, right? So again, be really mindful that you're living in the very special times and know that the truth of everything is unity and the truth of everything is light. So no matter how dark the world may seem, it's all going to be light in the end. All right. Giving you all a big virtual hug and I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please visit thisismaria.com for more insights and offerings from Maria and Sergey. It is T-H-I-S-I-S-M-A-R-I-Y-A.com. We hope to see you in future episodes.